time to thrive. Welcome to the Thrivology Podcast with Dr. Lee Bauckham. Join us as we explore ways that you can thrive in your life, regardless of what life throws at you. It's your life. Time to live it. Just for a minute, tell me how many people around you tell you how stressed they are. Maybe they say, oh, I'm so stressed about this. I'm so stressed out about this. Just for a minute, think about how much you might say that to yourself. Because what I've noticed is stress has become kind of a badge of honor. You know, we almost wear it as if it, there's something to be gained by being able to say how stressed we are. And the problem with that is that stress does something to our body. Being in a situation of stress tends to wear on our body. It's kind of like a constant friction. It's as if you threw some sand in the engine and it starts grinding it down, wearing it out. And yet, here we are in a culture that believes that you should pull all-nighters for school and work long hours for work, and all of that should stress you out because that's the natural state of things. Well, I kind of disagree. Now, let me just very clearly say that I think there are points where you're going to experience what we refer to as stress. But that shouldn't be the norm. I don't think our bodies are designed to be in a constant level of stress. In fact, in some ways, I think that we've worn this kind of as a badge in ways that are destructive to us. The real problem in my mind is that stress is not really what it is. We talk about it that way. You know, I hear many people say, I'm stressed out about work. I'm stressed out about some certain situation. I'm stressed out about my finances. I'm stressed out about this person or this relationship. And, and all of those points, they're talking about the exact same thing. They're just using stress when really it's about something else. The reality is that stress is about fear. So the reality is that we're really saying, I'm feeling fear and anxiety about work or I'm feeling fear and anxiety about a certain situation in my life or my finances. I'm feeling fear and anxiety about this relationship or my relationship with this person. And that's what it's really about. Stress is a euphemism for fear, meaning it puts a nice spin on something that most people don't want to admit to. You don't find many people who walk around saying, you know, I'm really fearful. I'm really scared. I'm really worried. Well, worried you might get more, but not so much on the fear or fearful. We kind of give that up in our childhood. You know, I'm scared. We call out to mom and dad, there's a boogeyman underneath my bed or there's, there's a scary creature in my closet. And, and so we're taught not to be scared. Don't, don't be scared. There's nothing to be fearful of. And yet fear is a natural part of our body's response, whether it's imagined or real. So the next layer of this is to understand that stress is not outside of you. Stress is within you. In fact, let's say it more clearly, fear is within you. People say I'm stressed about work, but what they really mean is that they are having a stressful response, a fearful response about that external situation. Now, a lot of times people will say, oh, of course there are external things that are stressing me out. And I would just propose that those external things are actually much more neutral than we would pretend. They're not things that naturally have to be associated with fear. There are a few of those, but for the most part, the things we talk about stressing us out are not those events. For instance, you might be very stressed out, to use that term, about a project at work. 
but the person right next to you is very excited about that same project. They're pumped about it. They're feeling high about it. They're ready to go tackle it. Or maybe you get stressed out about a relationship, but the other person has no similar response to the relationship, maybe because of a different stake in the relationship. In other words, stress is always our internal response, our internal fearful response to that external event. The event is just the event. That, That thing that you're blaming is just that thing. But what's really going on is our internal response. Here's the real problem with this. Stress doesn't give you a handle on it. To say I'm stressed at work doesn't tell you what to do with that. Fear is different because now we're talking about how you deal with it. You're dealing with something that's got you fearful. So let's talk about six steps that can help you shift away from that stress. And to say it more cleanly, six steps that will help you deal with those fears as they come up. If you're still doubting me about this stress piece, just imagine for a minute the feelings associated with that and and just think over whether they're the same feelings you have when something does scare you. My guess is you'll realize that it's exactly the same. So how do we go about this? Well, the first step is pretty simple. We reframe it. Instead of saying to yourself, I'm stressed about that, to say, you know what? I have some fears and anxieties about this. Because now we've moved away from the place where we have no handle And we've jumped down to the place where we might be able to find a new handhold, a new place to grab forward, a new way of dealing with it. So the first thing to do is simply to reframe it, to name it for what it is. Don't hide behind the term stress. Call it for what it is, fear and worry and anxiety. And then we can figure out how to move forward with it, which leads us to our second step. Identify what is triggering that fear. There are two kinds of fears. There's the the true threat or the protection fear that we have. And that happens kind of all of a sudden. Maybe somebody comes at you aggressively or you see a squiggly line on the trail in front of you as you're running or the traffic comes to a sudden stop in front of you and you have this fearful response because it's self-preservation. Now, here's where it links into that constant stress. If you happen to be in a workplace with somebody who is always angry and feels threatening, you may be experiencing protective fear, but you continue to put yourself in the situation where you experience it. And so it begins to be a stressful situation. If you've got a a boss who's always yelling at you, that is going to feel like a protective fear because it feels like an attack. It, It is a violence towards you. There's a different thing between that and the other level of fear. The other level of fear I call existential fear. These are the three fears that all of us have that really aren't tied to an event, but really are these deep feelings within us of, I won't have enough, which is really about resources. I won't be loved enough, which is really about relationships. And I'm not good enough, or I'm not going to be good enough, which is our own capacity. These are the fears that that pull at us all the time. These are the fears that wake you up at night, that keep you from going to sleep at night, that wake you in the early morning wondering how you're going to get through this. It doesn't mean that they're actually happening. It doesn't mean that you don't have enough resources. I've talked over my career with some very wealthy people 
who are always worried that they don't have enough. And it doesn't mean you don't have relationships if it's that worry about you won't be loved enough. I've talked with many people who have lots of friends and a secure marriage and people around them who love them who still are concerned that they won't be loved enough. And it doesn't matter on how capable you are. You can still doubt, will you be good enough? Any new situation can make you doubt yourself. Any old situation can do it too. So there are plenty of people who are fully capable of dealing with their lives, with their work, with everything around them who still feel like maybe they won't be good enough. In fact, I would say that all of us have to some level those three fears that keep popping up, that we worry we won't have enough, that we won't be loved enough, and that we won't be good enough. Recognize it when that comes up. So when you have a certain stressful event, for a moment, just ask, where is the fear coming from? Is there a real threat here? Is there something that I need to mitigate? Because if you're constantly putting yourself in dangerous situations or threatening situations to your actual physical well-being, your emotional well-being, and you continue to do that, to say, I'm stressed about that, isn't enough. You have to mitigate the threatening piece. You have to find a way to deal with that threat. Otherwise, you're forcing your body to continually be under a sense of being under attack. But if it's the existential fears, to be able to name that as an existential fear, that it's a natural fear, begins to give you a handle on it. You can begin to recognize that the fear isn't actual, it's existential. It feels like something that everybody feels. And it gives you just a little bit of distance from it. Which leads us to step number three, because you need a little distance, a little space. And that is to look at your boundaries. Boundaries are your nose of life. No, you can't yell at me. No, I won't be taken advantage of. No, I won't pay too much for that. No, I won't be treated in this manner. That's your boundaries. Sometimes we need to create some boundaries around us in order to, to alleviate the, the area that's coming at us. So if you're at work and you find yourself getting project after project put upon you, When it's unfairly put upon you, it's time to say, you know what? No, that's not okay. If it's a relationship piece and you realize that you're working desperately to try to somehow hold on to that relationship, sometimes it's necessary to say, you know what? No, I'm not going to be treated like that in this relationship. I can find another relationship that's healthy. If it's about your capacities, you might have to say, you know what? No. I need to go get some training before I take this task on so that I really know that I'm capable of it or to be able to say, yes, absolutely, I'm capable of this. I just have to admit it to myself. The boundaries create the space so that we have room in order to operate our lives. People with fewer or weaker boundaries find themselves to be stressed out more because they feel like they can't control what's coming at them. They fail to notice it's the fear that's gaining on them. But as you note that fear, as you note where it's coming from, as you create your boundaries, you create a space around you to allow you to have a little more room, a little less stress coming your way. Which leads to our fourth step, which is courage. One of the ways that we can deal with fear is by letting fear dictate how we'll act. The fear comes up and we stay away from it. That's what I call using fear as the avoidance indicator. I feel fear. I feel stress. So I'll stay away from that. 
I'll avoid going through it. I'll avoid finishing that process. But for me, fear is simply pointing out importance. Whether it's protective fear or existential fear, it's only telling you that something's important. If it's a protective fear, it's saying it's important for you to make yourself safe, to truly be physically safe. If it's an existential fear, it's telling you this is important. Whatever's going on out there is important. I need to pay attention to this. I may need to actually move towards something. Courage is taking action, even when the fear is there, even when the stress is there. The stress being that fear means that the, the, the courage is deciding to move towards it. Here's the real problem. The more we feed the fear and the stress, the stronger it gets. The more we starve the fear and the stress, the weaker it gets. It will always act like it's your friend. Fear pretends like it's telling you what's safe, what's good. But fear is actually tightening down your life more and more, taking away opportunities more and more. When we speak back to fear, we take back our lives and we decide that we can live as fully as we can. When we allow fear to be one of our advisors, we're much better off. Fear is not our friend, but it can be an advisor. It can point to what's important. But the other advisors like purpose and passion the things that guide us towards those important places. They need to be taken in conjunction with fear. If fear is the one who gets to make all the decisions, your life gets smaller and smaller. If fear is an advisor, you take in the advice, but you also are following up with your passions in life and your purpose in life and trying to make an impact in your life, then your your world expands. Your life expands and you do it in a way that is manageable and safe. So, step number four is to take courage. Take action toward or away based on your choices, not because the stress is telling you that. The fifth thing is self-care. Stress is a cumulative piece. You can probably deal with a project at work, but if the project at work comes the same time as your boss is leaning on you and your spouse is upset about the time at work and your kids are crying out for help, then suddenly the stress is accumulative. It's like if you kept pouring water into a bucket. If you, if you kept pouring some water out of that bucket, you can keep putting water in it. But if you stop pouring water out, eventually you can only put so much water in before it overflows. Self-care is the process of making sure that you're constantly taking care of the water in there. You get enough rest. You make sure you're nourishing yourself with appropriate foods and you get some exercise to, to work off that adrenaline is already flowing through your system. When you take care of those areas of your life, of getting rest, of getting nourishment, and of taking exercise, you manage to make sure that that bucket's not overflowing. And you build a reserve. The more you do that, the more prepared you are when those big events come that scare you, that give you some fear, that stress you out, and you're able to cope with them better which then leaves us with that last little way, that band-aid, that first aid kit. The first aid kit is your breathing. When you're in a stressful situation, first acknowledge that you're in a fearful situation. Your body is responding as if there is an attack or an imminent attack, that there is something, a threat that is coming your way. Breathing is something we do automatically. In fact, probably until I said that, you weren't aware of the fact that this whole time you've been breathing in and out without even thinking about it. Your body has kept you alive. 
but you can also choose how you're going to breathe. You can choose whether you're going to breathe in a stressful way, which, by the way, is what happens when we're underneath that stress, that fear. Or you can choose to breathe deeply and relax your system. The part of your brain that is that stressed out part, the fearful part, is so deep in your brain it doesn't even understand words. So you can't say, stop being stressed. I don't need to be fearful. It doesn't understand what you're saying. It's been there for millennia, long before we had the resources of language. So instead of doing that, we use the natural approach. It's called diaphragmatic breathing, belly breathing, as I like to call it. Belly breathing is when you breathe so that your mind, so that your brain understands that nothing is at risk. If you were to lie down on a flat surface and put a hand over your belly button and a hand over your breastbone and breathe so that only the hand over your belly button goes up and down, you have discovered diaphragmatic or belly breathing. Here's what happens. When our body feels like there's a threat, when our mind, our brain thinks there's a threat, it naturally tightens up our gut to protect our gut. It it naturally tightens up our abdomen so that the soft inner organs are protected. Your chest, which has the bones, doesn't have to worry about that. It's already got the bone protection. And so you automatically start breathing through your chest. But you can also reverse that process consciously. When you breathe through your belly, you're telling your brain there is no real threat. You can calm yourself down. I've used this with hundreds of people over the years. I used to use it as a chaplain in a hospital to help people reduce their pain and to add uh, oxygen into their system. By simply relaxing their breathing, they begin to shut down the adrenal flow in their system because they're taking their brain off high alert and telling their brain there is no threat. The brain gets the message and slows down that fear response that we call stressed out. So whenever you find yourself thinking, I'm stressed out, it's time to go back to that belly breathing. And in fact, A better use would be to use that ahead of time. Whenever something's going on, to remind yourself you can belly breathe. When you're in a meeting that's getting a little stressful, you can belly breathe. When you've got that report in front of you that's worrying you, you can belly breathe. When you're lying there in bed, unable to sleep because of those stresses, you can belly breathe. You always have that as an option. This is not a lightweight exercise. It sounds very simple, but it is powerful. So the last strategy is the one you use in the immediate moments. All the others come along the way as kind of reassessments. When you reframe to understand that your stress is really fear, now you've reclaimed what you can take, take care of. The second thing is to identify what's triggering that fear. Now you've begun to get a little distance, and so you create some boundaries to create more space. Then you decide to act courageously. In spite of that fear, you decide to step up. But you make sure along the way that you've been taking care of yourself so that you have the resources you need. And yet, when it hits, when the storm hits, you drop back and you work on your belly breathing. This is Lee Balkum wishing you a stress-free existence and a thriving life. listening to the Thrivology podcast. Thank you for listening. If you want more information, visit us at thrivology.com or at thrivologymagazine.com. 
Remember that Thriveology is spelled T-H-R-I-V-E-O-L-O-G-Y. It's your life. Time to live it. 